Welcome to Galaxy Forum. I'm your host, Melissa Kaplan, and we're here to explore the creativity happening in the LCC galaxy, in our classrooms and on campus, and connecting the work of our stars with our community. Though this episode will be available for listeners at any time, we are recording it in November of 2022, during Transgender Awareness Week. On November 20th every year, this week culminates with Transgender Awareness Day. And like everything that's commemorated with a week or a day, it's incredibly important in order to focus awareness, but it's applicable year-round. I am so pleased to welcome my guests today, Lane Ingram, who is the Chief of Staff in the Office of the President at Lansing Community College, a trans man and an LGBTQ plus advocate, and the host of the Reconstructed Man podcast, and Jess Stevens, who I am so pleased to know as a former colleague here at LCC, who is now a therapist with Rooted Counseling. And before we dive into our conversation, Jess, I just would love for you to share a little bit about Rooted Counseling. Yeah, we have three locations in the East Lansing area. There is one in the Bailey Community Center, which is right off of Michigan State campus. There's one off Lake Lansing Road by Eastwood Town Center. And we have another location in Old Town, which is basically on the corner of Turner and um, Cesar Chavez. Rooted Counseling has, I think we're up to maybe like 35 clinicians. We have, we're a pretty large practice now. It's been growing really fast over this last year. Love working there. It's a great environment. And it's really great for our clinicians and our clients. We do have a lot of clinicians that specialize with LGBTQIA+. I couldn't even tell you how many right now. It's a lot. Um, and we are trying to be as inclusive as possible and have a really safe space for our clients to come and get therapy services. That's wonderful. You don't have to go far to hear about the shortage of mental health practitioners and the need that just continues to skyrocket, really. And Lane, as a trans man and an advocate, can you speak a little bit to the need of this population in particular for mental health, mental health care? And I always think of mental health as human health. So maybe we can also talk about that a little bit, that it's part of who we are and we need to take care of it. But different populations are vulnerable for various reasons. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one... I'm a huge proponent of therapy, mental health, human health. I mean, it's just so important for us as people, but especially the trans community. I think we know that trans kids, trans youth, trans people are more prone to depression and suicidal thoughts than their cisgender peers. And and it matters because it comes down to, you know, feelings of rejection and feelings of loneliness, feelings of not being good enough, you know, not knowing yourself. And those are things that people need to talk about and understand because you're not crazy. You're not bad, you know, and the society that we live in right now, that's what they're telling kids. And so the therapists, the doctors, they're part of a wraparound. I guess I'd call it, you need wrapper. You need a village if you're trans, you know, it takes a village and that, and there are people out there. And so I think mental health is, is a huge piece of, you know, being okay with who you are. Definitely. And, there are unique circumstances, and I think for, for a whole lot of people, seeking mental health care is a real challenge because there's such a stigma on 
mental health and our society seems to separate it from the rest of our body somehow as though our mind is just out there floating along. <laughs> I mean, that is kind of how we live sometimes. That's <laughs> how I feel, but it's all part of the same. And um, so how do people make that leap? How do you encourage that to, to I think happen? I think it's gotten better, honestly. And that's, oh, you know, I mean, from a, that's coming from an athletic standpoint, from a trans standpoint. I think Mental health is important. I think there's more, you know, stereotypically they say, you know, men don't do therapy, you know, stuff like that. Like, yep. I think that's going away because mental health is important. And you see the new generation of kids who even the way they look at the workplace is different, right? Like, I think we're changing. And then for trans people, and I know for me specifically, like therapy is part of our process. I mean, it has to be. It oh, must be part of your really? process. And I'm thankful for that because... Even though it might be a means to an end, if you're trying to, you know, start hormone therapy or you want to, you know, move forward in your process, it could be a means to an end. But at the end of the day, it's still going to help you. It's still going to help you look back and reach in and figure out, you know, where did this come from? How do I work through it? How do I get through what I'm going through socially with my family? And so for trans people specifically and probably the LGBTQ plus community, I think we're probably more open to therapy because we need it we need this space that's that's safe and so for us sometimes what it would be is finding the right person finding somebody who is accepting finding people who understand what you're going through or who have gone through it themselves I mean those would be challenges I think of so as part of transgender awareness week I know it's also to celebrate stories of trans folks uh, but to increase awareness in in the general population in a in a positive way Jess, what's your experience with that? Can you talk a little bit about how has that played out? Do you see it having a positive impact? This awareness week can have a positive impact. I mean, if we just think of social media in general, this week what I've noticed personally even through Instagram or Facebook stories is that a lot of people are saying, oh, it's TDOR week. So what are some, what's some information we can share on our stories about this population? And so I've been noticing a lot of that, which that's bringing awareness to the community. It's hard to say that this is necessarily a positive week because we are leading up to the vigil, which will happen on Sunday, to remember those transgender people that uh, passed away due to violence. Um, and so I think for me, what I try to remember when, I, when I'm talking to clients too is that we are in such a different place right now than we were yesterday. And while sometimes we are faced with oppression from news outlets or politicians, you know, our family, we get to choose what we do with that. So do we let that affect us every day? Do we let that affect our, our journey? Or do we put up appropriate boundaries with them and live our true selves? So that's a way that I try to spin that for them because although we want to put a positive light on this week, it's not leading up to a positive day. You know, this is a day of remembrance for a reason. I love, I'm sorry, I love that Jess said that because he's, 100% right. Like to me, Trans Awareness Week is about our power to me, the week. It's about here's who we are. We've been here a long time. Also, he's absolutely right. We're not where we were yesterday, but like it also feels crappy sometimes. And so this is us. We're showing you we're here, right? We're not going anywhere. We are we want to be we want to be treated equally we deserve the same rights as everyone and there are trans people doing incredible amazing things and also trans people are incredible and amazing that's what i feel about this week and then you get to sunday and for me and i think probably for all of us we have to take a minute and you look and you're like these people literally were killed for existing 
They are not here just because of who they are. And so it's a sad day because people are gone. It's also a day where it's like, this is what we're fighting for. This is why. This is what we're fighting for. This is why we show up to the courtrooms. This is why we protest. This is why we need people to fill out the trans survey. Like, this is why we're fighting. And I think that's also why it's so important, you know? Definitely. And I appreciative when our community is able to do something to bring attention to that. And these are important things year round, but sometimes you, you need that point in time to focus attention and make people aware. And to me, it's incredibly powerful that when I think about what it takes to go through a transition to the extent that I know, you know, it's not something that I've experienced, but only know from what I've read and and from what trans folks have shared with me, what power and strength it takes to identify yourself, to be true to yourself, and then follow that path and all the steps that are required. Um, talk about athletes. <laughs> talk about athletic. I mean, it's a it's a physical feat, and we celebrate athletes. I think we should celebrate, uh, likewise, folks who decide to make that and and follow that that path. Just as I think we should celebrate us all. Really, what kind of activities can people expect on Trans Remembrance Day? I personally go to the Michigan State Vigil every year. Um, it's on Sunday night. Uh, that's when I've attended. Since I've, I've been going there since maybe 2010, <laughs> um, besides COVID. Um, did not go then, but I've been going to that one. And that's the uh, one that most people go to, I believe, and I might be wrong, but I think the Solace Center partners with them now, or maybe they do their own. I can't remember. So locally, that's the one that I'll be attending. How has our community changed, would you say, in terms of support or resistance? Hmm. I mean, I think you said something really interesting just a few minutes ago about how, you know, what a feat it is for trans people to transition and all that stuff. And that's literally why I think trans people are so cool and amazing. And I'm biased, obviously. (laughs) But I do. I mean, imagine the courage it takes to be like, I want to be my true self and I'm going to do it. And I think there's also an important distinction to make there, which is not good or bad, but it's like some people transition to be who they are and then just live. And some people transition to be who they are and they want to talk about it. And they want to let people know and they want to be an example. And both ways are totally fine and equally brave because you are walking in your truth. And and for some people, the point of that is to be themselves and however they got there. And so I just want I just want to make sure that I say that because there's a lot of ways to be trans and to be proud. And to me, the reason why we are so amazing is because of the level of courage it takes to walk around as yourself. I love that. I'm so glad that you that you said that because it 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 um people are different and all are valued and important. And important. Well, yes. and safety too. Yes. The main reason people go into there's something called stealth where someone doesn't disclose that they're trans to mm-hmm. workplace or new friends or school. And it's because they've been shown that it's not safe for them. And so they continue to live their lives like that because they don't feel that they are safe to do that. And that's a really bad feeling to have, too, feeling like you cannot be your true self to other people or let them in on who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say, like, Lena's exactly right. And I think the main proponent there is safety. 
they've been shown that it is not safe for me to be out in these spaces. Clearly, clearly it's not. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a to day have a trans to remember. remembrance mm-hmm. day. Exactly. And so psychologically, I can see how that ties back to the the unique vulnerability of this population because a lot of populations don't have that same kind of safety issue for just being who they are. Absolutely. I mean, I, as a, a, a white cis woman, I mean, as a woman, there's other safety issues. But no, I don't, I don't have that. I do not have that kind of issue that I, I need to, to contend with. So do you see, Jess, that that's part of the discussion in therapy? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, every single session. Yeah. <laughs> there, yeah. there is not a session I go through with a trans person that we do not talk about safety in some way. Mm-hmm. And I don't do that with other people. So that's yeah. something to make note of. Even if uh, I have clients that have went through a medical transition are quote unquote passing and would never have to mention. Right. There's still fear there. So we talk about safety. Is it, is it with people? Is it with spaces? Is it with environments? Is it work or is it school? I think that the, the focus a lot of times has been on the medical transition. So when you see those news outlets that we should not be watching, <laughs> um, <laughs> talking about trans people, they're too focused on medical transition and kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no, never a mention of the social transition. There's never a mention of the documentation changes, the barriers that are there, how long it takes and how much work it takes for someone to transition. And how um, serious it is and yeah. how there's medical doctors involved and researchers and biologists and years and years of people who like have degrees and went to school and know what our bodies can do. Like the thing that people also forget is that we're human literally human with like bones and like the blood and the whatever else is inside your body that humans have that doctors know what's supposed to be what I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt but like that makes me so mad when it's focused on the kids and it's like be for real nobody nobody is making this decision rashly nobody is making this decision rashly nobody is like I think I want to be trans today that sounds fun (laughs) that sounds so fun I mean and nobody's doing that to win an award by the way You heard me say it. I said what I said. Nobody transitions to win awards because when the competition is over, we're still going to be trans. Mm -hmm. We're going to still live our lives. We're going to still be exactly who we are. If a person is an athlete who's trans, they happen to be trans. They love their sport. And so when people are talking about kids, I want to be very clear. Like, number one, you can't just do things. You can't just say, hey, yesterday, uh, little Bobby told me, You know, so we're going to start today. You absolutely are not going to start today. You absolutely are not. And that's a misconception. That's misinformation. Can you talk about that a little bit? What do you mean? That that you don't just start today. And I mean, there's so many things going through my head right now. The misinformation that just, you know, explodes. It's like, you know, this tinderbox and boom, Mm -hmm. matches are being tossed in it all the time that are misinformation. To step back, you don't just start today. What Mm -hmm. does that mean, Lane? It means exactly how it sounds. There are processes that you have to go through. I mean, a parent couldn't say, okay, let's go to the doctor tomorrow and we'll get you on some puberty blockers. Mm -hmm. You absolutely are not doing that. Mm -hmm. There's many things that have to happen in it. And like I was talking about that wraparound support, there's a lot of other people involved too. Mm -hmm. And those are medical decisions that come with recommendations and after in-depth conversations to understand where is this coming from. And 
it also doesn't automatically jump to puberty blocks. I mean, there's there's so many steps, you know, and we have to remember that parents, you know, especially the parents that are in these situations that are trying to find a way forward for their kids, they're just trying to find a way forward for their kids. Mm-hmm. And it takes time. Even to give a diagnosis of gender dysphoria, a true gender dysphoria diagnosis, there are separate criteria that people have to meet in order to be diagnosed with that. And kids are different. So kids under a certain age are different than an adolescent or adult being diagnosed. And it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of evaluation. And it's not working with like psychotherapy is not meant to be a barrier. It can be a barrier, especially for those living in poverty. It can definitely be a barrier. And even new WPAS standards of care eight say that psychotherapy should not be a barrier for services. However, for kids, it's much different. And I think like Lane mentioned puberty block blockers, and this is a big misconception too. People think that they're just being giving away exactly. at the doctor or their, exactly. their pediatrician. <laughs> the reality is, is that only kids under the age of puberty, which hits about 10 or 11 years old, should be taking puberty blockers if they're truly diagnosed with gender dysphoria. Um, if they're going through that process, they're diagnosed from their, their clinician and they're working with a pediatrician with gender affirming care. And in the last five years, less than 4,800 kids have gotten puberty blockers. Thank you. I was hoping you were going to say that because I was going to say the number is like less than 1,000 yeah. a year. Yeah. But it's, come on. In the last five years, less than 4,800. I think it's like 47 <laughs> and some change. Like, you, you hear the math on that? Yeah. With the number of people in this country and the number of kids? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's, where's the fire? Exactly. Because we just need a bucket to put it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. P- parents watch the news and they get scared. They get there's a lot of fear there. We have this like we, even me like I can jump to a conclusion like oh my gosh this parent like it must be like a super like conservative parent like they grew up in a household that like maybe this is never going to be okay for them. But I have to even as me a clinician I have to sometimes step back and say you know they're really scared. They're really scared because all they know about being yes. trans is from yes. news outlets. They don't know anything on a clinical level. They don't know what I know. So a lot of it's psychoeducation to parents about what that means and how do we take care of our kids? What is gender affirming care? Yes. And how do we do that in the safest way possible? And the question is, like, what if they change their mind? You know, parents have asked me before, like a 13-year-old, you know, what, what happens if we change our pronouns at home? We change the name. You know, we start using a different name. And they change their mind when they're 16. And I just say, well, what if they do? What if they do change their mind? It's kind of like um, I was into airplanes as a kid. But then when I turned like 13, I was really into trucks. Mm-hmm. I changed my mind. Mm-hmm. And everything was fine. So there are some ways to talk to parents to make it less scary for them. And focusing on giving your child compassion. You don't have to really, un- you don't have to understand every single thing, what it, what it means to be a transgender person. Um, I w- it's good to, but you don't have to know every single in and out of it. But the first step is having compassion for the community and compassion for your kids. And listening and understanding and, you know, watching, waiting, you know what I mean? Like just unpacking what Jess just said, you know, if somebody changes their mind, what he's also saying, I think, and you can correct me, but it's just like, we're watching, you know, it's not like they jump to hormone therapy because that evaluation showed, you know, let's see, like be, be accepting. You change names. That's good. Let's see how it goes. Right. Let's give Mm -hmm. the kid the space Mm -hmm. to be who they are. That's what he's saying. He's not like the kid, you know what I mean? We're giving the kid the space to be who they are. Mm -hmm. Boy, it's important for every child, but in, in particular with gender identity, but yeah, there is, there is a lot of fear and it, it makes me think about what resources might there be for parents. And it's in, and just recently I met two different parents who have children who are 
considering transition and one of the parents who is older and their child is a is an adult and they actually when they they first spoke with me they shared they had it, it was it was difficult it was a difficult moment for them to share and I didn't go into deep conversation I just met this person but I thought parents need resources too what kind of resources exist for education and to help see what this process might mean yeah that's a good question there are many things online like PFLAG and other parent groups that you can locate. What's PFLAG? Um, PFLAG is a, like LGBTQ, parents of LGBTQIA uh, kids. Okay. Um, it's a really nice organization. Mm-hmm. You can follow them on Instagram. I follow them on Instagram. Um, but Rooted Counseling, we have a group called Q Parenting. And we meet once a month and parents can come and talk to a clinician. Um, Cosette Weaver is the clinician that runs that group. Um, and I would recommend that if a parent is looking for support to just stop by, no pressure. It's from 6 to 7.30, typically the last Thursday of the month. But because of the holidays, we're adjusting. We're not going to have one next week because of Thanksgiving, but December will probably be a different date. We post that on our social media pages for Rooted Counseling. So feel free to give us a follow. Um, I believe the Salas Center also offers a parenting group, too. We have a a Q Connect for teens from 13 to 17 years old, and we also have Q Living for LGBTQIA adults that are looking for support, Um, and that also meets once a month. Um, Feel free to just visit our website, and you can find information there. So locally, those are some resources that we have. I guess I'd say, if we're plugging things, I'm kidding, but I'd (laughs) say, you know, on my podcast, and that's for, there's there's a couple of episodes that are, you know, about coming out that are about family. Like I have a couple with my dad and my sister on there um, that just might be good to hear what it was like for them to hear also and kind of how we work through it. And then I'd suggest probably, you know, looking at Facebook pages in your area because there's events, you know, there's LGBTQ plus Facebook pages, there's parents and families, you know, support Facebook pages and looking for stuff like that because Hearing, you know, real people's stories is what's going to help. And obviously what Rooted is doing is always awesome. So Definitely. I want to allow time for both of you to address anything that might be on your minds in regards to this. But there was something also, Lane, that you said that I just wanted to explore a little bit more. You said people don't do this for awards. What What are you talking about? Do some people think that people become trans for some sort of award? Well, I just went on the Dr. Phil show. And the main topic on that show was trans athletes in sports. And they wanted to talk about Leah Thomas and her success. And all I'm, all I'm saying is, again, people don't transition to win awards. I mean, can you imagine being a kid? Because that's what she is. She's in college. She's a kid. She's in her 20s, you know? And can you imagine being an athlete who loves their sport and realizing that you're, I mean, you're, you're not your true self. You're not in the right body. Like when you when you realize that you're trans, it takes o- it takes over. It's it's unbearable anymore. Wow. And so to be in the national eye, to stand up and say I'm gonna be me, I think she's brave. I think she's courageous. I'm proud of her, and I'm thankful that she stood up to show all of these people. And so what I told them on that show was, guess what? Guess what? When Leah is done swimming, she's still gonna be trans. Mm-hmm. Because she's a trans person who happens to be a swimmer. End of story, bottom line. Yes, definitely. And the reaction is sometimes just so narrow to try and really put it in a box. And, and while seemingly open, 
to limit a person's expression, self-expression, whether that's, you know, their gender expression or their athletic or their intellectual expression. Yep. Um, if they feel that it's, to me, that seems to come back to not just that it's making it harder for others to be in that athletic competition or it's not fair to some group, but that it really, underneath it all, there's something, you know, the anti-trans, Correct. no matter what people say. Absolutely. And uh, that's, that is important for us to keep in mind. That's where a lot of danger seems to lie Agreed. in my mind. So I think another thing that you said, Lane, or that we talked about is the different ways that people want to live their lives. But the need for advocates is really is really huge. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that people who are trans should all follow that path. They couldn't. I mean, none of us can, can if we're not an advocate, we're not going to be an advocate. But for somebody like you, and I think just for you and your work to be able to, to be out there, that is super crucial. Okay. What do you each want to share in the last couple minutes of our, of this episode? I think a couple things. Um, something to keep in mind that uh, one supportive adult in a transgender person's life can make all the difference. So that could mean, like for me as a clinician, sometimes it is me. Sometimes I'm the only person that knows. Sometimes I'm the only person I've ever talked to this about. And I'm helping them like walk through those steps of social and medical transition if applicable and learning how to let people in rather than coming out. I've been using the term letting in. I'm that person sometimes, but here at the college, that's your academic advisor or your success coach or one of your professors. It makes all the difference to just have at least one supportive adult in your corner. Um, if we can get to that to three, that'd be ideal. Mm-hmm. But um, at least one one supportive adult can make the world a difference. And, you know, something that is a really staggering stat for me is that 40% of transgender adults have attempted suicide wow. compared to less than 5% of the general population. So... That is something to keep in mind as we walk into this vigil because the vigil is about recognizing those that have died to trans violence. We have we haven't added in those that have died, uh, completed suicide because they were unable to live uh, their true selves. I what Jess just said gave me goosebumps all over um, in a in a bunch of different ways, and it's the reason why I speak out. You know, it's the reason why I do, because it matters. And so the last, the only thing I'd say is trans people, I think you're cool and wonderful and amazing for being you. And I will never stop fighting. I will never stop talking. Neither will Jess. And I think that we're headed to a better place and and we're going to keep fighting. And I'm, I'm happy about what's going on in Michigan. So I feel safe here. So. I'm so glad to hear that. Well, thank you both, Lane Ingram and Jess Stevens, for sharing this information. I think whoever uh, may be listening, whether you are a trans person or an ally or someone who is just hearing about it for the first time, and there's a lot that's new to take in here, thank you very much for listening. When you go to the lccconnect.org website, you'll be able to find this episode, and there will also be links to the resources that Lane and Jess mentioned and contact info if you want to follow up with them. Uh, You can also catch past episodes of this program, Galaxy Forum, and other LCC Connect programming. I want to thank Andy Callis for composing our theme music, and thank you all for listening. I'm Melissa Kaplan, and this is Galaxy Forum on LCC Connect. 
connecting you with Lansing Community College. This is LCC Connect. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College's Fresh Start program forgives outstanding student balances, allowing students to re-enroll without penalty. Fresh Start does not apply to student loan creditors. Learn more at lcc.edu slash fresh start. Who might you save? Your mother, your father, your husband, uncle, and son. Learn fast, F-A-S-T, the sudden signs of a stroke, and you could save. Your friend, your best friend, teacher, boss, coach. F, face drooping, A, arm weakness, S, speech difficulty, T, time to call 911, F-A-S-T, face, arm, speech, time. That's F, face drooping, A, arm weakness, S, speech difficulty, T, time to call 911. The sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in the recovery of your neighbor, the waiter, a fellow shopper, a total stranger, grandmother, grandfather. So learn FAST, the sudden signs of a stroke, then pass it on because you never know who might save you. Your wife, your colleague, teammate, mother. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. K-12 Operations at Lansing Community College has been a proud collaborator of the Mason Promise Scholarship since 2016. The Mason Promise Scholarship is a community organization of volunteers that guarantees funding for two years of Lansing Community College education to selected Mason Public School students. These selected students are chosen by the Mason Public Schools at the end of the fifth grade and then become a Mason Promise Scholarship through an induction ceremony. Over the course of the next six years, these students receive mentoring and support as well as introduction to career possibilities through the Pathway Program. For more information on the Mason Promise Scholarship at LCC, please visit lcc.edu slash hope. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Hey, 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 this is Lisa A., and you're listening to Who's That Star on LCC Connect at Lansing Community College. Who's That Star is a behind-the-scenes show where I sit down and talk with the employees at the college. This is an inside look at LCC where you will have a chance to learn about their passions, projects, what inspires them both at work and in their personal lives. I'm your host, Lisa Alexander. I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to all the people who make LCC great. This show is for you to get to know the people that work at Lansing Community College a little bit more and see what makes them tick. Are you ready? Okay, let's go see who's today's star. Our star today protects LCC from all the people that want to break into our networks. He is responsible for all aspects of network and information security to protect LCC from internal and external threats. He develops and enforces security policy for the college. He also designs, administers, and coordinates the electronic security systems. He's earned a bachelor's degree in computer science from Iowa State University, a master's degree in human resource management from Troy University, an MBA from Webster University, and started on a PhD in public policy and administration at the University of Alabama. Beside doing all that, 
He has a CompuTIA Network Plus, Security Plus, and Certified Information Systems Security Professional Credentials, and it's CISSP. Before coming to LCC in 2014, this star served in the Air Force and retired with the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. He moved his family to the mid-Michigan area, and he started to work at LCC. He said he worked for the military for 20 years, and he moved his family 11 times. Wow, that's a lot going on right there. We're going to talk about that. He says he's married to a fabulous bride, cat, and have two children. This star also has a radio podcast show here on LCC. It's named The Safety Plan. Are you guys ready to find out who's today's star? Today's star is Paul Schwartz. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yes, we're so happy to have you on here, Paul. Oh, thanks, Lisa. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm ready to jump right in. So I read a lot about you, and it's interesting. That's one of the best part of doing this show is the things that you get to learn about people. But right now, I want you to tell me a little bit more about who you are and what's important to you in your life right now. Oh, wow. Jeez, that's an open-ended question here. It what's is. What's important to me? Well, um, I guess... Um, you know, family is super important um, at this point in my life because I've got two young kids. Mm -hmm. And so trying to be a good dad and father to them and husband to my wife, very family focused. And yeah, and then uh, work-wise, I'm here at LCC serving as a director of information security. So trying to keep the college protected, as you mentioned earlier. And trying to keep healthy. And the Schwartz family line has a lot of heart attacks at a young oh, age. So okay. my, my job here and what's important to me is stay healthy and hopefully live a longer life than the hereditary line of the Schwartz family. So, yeah, that's, that's what's important to me. Well, yeah, that sounds, you know, great as far as, you know, putting your family first and uh, putting your health first, making sure that you're here to take care of them and then doing what you love to do. I wondered, how did you get to LCC? Like, you retired. You could talk a little bit about that, because I'm really interested in your career before you got to LCC, some of the things that you did. But then why did you decide to come? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so at, at the 20 year point in the Air Force, uh, we are living in Norfolk, Virginia, and we had moved 11 times, as you mentioned, in um, those 20 years. And so at that point, my son had been in his fourth elementary school in four years. And wow. we, that was unsustainable. And we didn't want them to go forward with that kind of non-attachment. And so at 20 years, the earliest I could, I retired. And then because the government had picked where we were going to live for the last 11 moves, I asked my wife and said, hey, why don't you pick this time? And she has family up here in Michigan. So she said, hey, let's move up to Michigan. And so we moved to East Lansing. And after about six months of decompressing and watching a lot of uh, mash mm -hmm. and sitting on the couch and remodeling the house, 
the, my wife Kat said, "Hey, Paul, um, it's nice that you're here, um, you know, but you're a bit much. You, you, um, you know, you make noise, you smell, you, uh, you want lunch, you talk to me. She's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. Mm-hmm. She wanted to be in her bubble. She's like, can you leave the house for a while? And I'm like, great. I'll go to the gym for two hours. I'll play basketball. I'll come back. And she's like, well, two hours isn't enough. I'm right. get more at like eight hours. And I'm like, well, that sounds like a job. And so, although I didn't want to go back to work, uh, I finally said, all right, let's go back to work. So I looked around and applied at some jobs and the director of information security here was open at LCC. So I applied and got the job. And that's how I came to LCC eventually. Wow. That's a great story. And I mean, after moving 11 times, I would be glad to settle down. And it's it's interesting how people come and they have second careers, I'm not looking for that, but, you know, it's interesting. I've met and talked to a lot of people at LCC that this is their second career. And and to me, that's like you really love it because you could come in back here to work again. You love what you're doing. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about what your job is. Like, what do you do on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. So I, um, director of information security, it's a bit of a firefighter. So there's lots of fires burning that I need to put out lots of problems to solve with the network and with technology at LCC. There's lots of ways that criminals or hackers could, uh, exploit or hurt the college. Um, and so my job is trying to coordinate mitigation or remediation or solutions to those problems. So we have, Phishing is a big attack vector for LCC. So that's when emails or texts or voicemail uh, uh, phone calls are sent to employees and they hand over their network credentials, which is your username and your password. And then the criminals use that to do bad things to the network. So I do a lot of security awareness about what phishing is. I, I actually proactively fish the employees. You uh, do. Yeah. Because <laughs> you got me one time, but I've learned so much I, from that. But I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but go ahead. I, yeah. get, a, I get a lot of the employees. You're not the only one. It's... Um, a bit of a, a, a game, I guess, uh, to try and, uh, you know, design a sophisticated fish to try and trick people into falling for it. But, you know, there's a education piece to that of what, what the red flags are that you should be looking for when you open up emails. Uh, so there's security awareness side. There's also a, a vulnerability management. I scan the systems at LCC and see if there's any vulnerabilities and then patch those systems or apply mitigations. We do data loss prevention, which is software on your computers that looks for social security numbers or credit card numbers. And, mm-hmm. and if it finds it, we, we advise you on the appropriate place to store that information. We do uh, governance, which is info security policies and procedures. And we try and guide the college on um, where their important information is and where it should be stored and how to protect it. We do a lot of incident response. That's when we have um, criminals actually do bad things and we follow up and try and kick the criminals off the network right. and then, you know, figure out how they got on the network and try and make sure they can't repeat that process again. Yeah. So every day seems to be really different um, because there's so many different facets of cybersecurity and so many different ways that uh, the hackers could do damage to the college. So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty fun job uh, in that um, it changes every day. Well, I mean, it it's it sounds fun from someone who has that technical experience, but, you know, but for someone who is just who struggle bus with technology, it always seems so difficult, but I really appreciate you and your department because I've become a lot more savvy with 
fishing and looking at my emails and making sure that the person that sent me that makes sense and you know looking at misspelled words and looking you know just looking for things that I didn't really think about before and that carries on to my home computer when I get emails on my Yahoo you know looking at that and so I do appreciate what you've done and I really think that you've made an impact on our campus because you know like me although we get caught even though when you send it out, I'm looking for it, too, because after you caught me that last time, I was like, oh, no, he is not getting me again. And so every time you send out one, I think it is so I'm like, OK, I'm going to look and see this. This is not right. Uh-huh. This is not right. And so it's it's kind of makes me like like you said, it's a game, but it's not a game because it's serious and they can do a lot of damage. But I really wanted to get a chance to tell you, I think that you made a big difference and how people look at cybersecurity here on our campus. And, and you give us good training material, too. So I wanted to throw that out there, too. I, I appreciate that. I like the competition that you and I have. So yeah. now I'm going to try You're going to try to give me? I'm going to try to up <laughs> oh, my no. name. I should have been quiet. <laughs> and, yeah. and, 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 I, and I like how you're slowing down and looking at your email, looking at that. Who's the sender? Yeah. Do I recognize it? Although that could be spoofed. Yeah. And the second biggest thing is the links and the attachments. You can't be clicking. Yeah, see, I don't click. Everybody just click. Clicks nonstop on everything. Yep. You can't. You got to take a breather and go, wait, was I expecting an invoice for $1,000 of something I didn't even buy? Right. Maybe I shouldn't open that because once you open up that link or that attachment to that email, it could immediately infect your computer with malware without any intervention on your own behalf. So it's very dangerous to be click happy. It is. No, and I, and I think I've learned that. And I think that that's one of the things that... I'll carry that with me. Mm. I'll carry what I've learned about uh, network security, which is not much, but whatever you teach me, whatever we are trained on, I pay attention to it because I don't want to be the person (laughs) that has somebody, you know, clicking on something. What do you like most about what you do here at LCC? I know you talked, you said so many things, but what's that one thing that if you had to say, this is something that I really enjoy. What would it be? Uh, I think, well, I think it's about my job and that it's uh, a bit of a treasure hunt. There's there's clues that are provided and you're following up on those and you're trying to unwrap the mystery or the treasure, trying to find the end of the puzzle. That's, I think, the best, maybe mentally intriguing part of my job That's that makes it the most fun. Okay. Is there more, like how many people are in your department? Yeah. So there's me and my info security analyst, and then we have an intern and then we have a records manager. So it's um, three and a half people. Okay. That's doing all that work. That's, That's a lot to do. Well, I also wanted to ask you, like, what do you do outside of working at LCC? You know, what's life like for you? Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm, you know, married with kids. So that mm-hmm. takes up 99% of the time. And I'm a homeowner, too. So that takes up the other 1% right. keeping the house running. I guess my interests are, I, you know, as I mentioned, working out. I, I love playing basketball at lunch and the, uh, the old guy leagues at the gym. I uh, love sports. Um, I think I'm thinking back to last weekend when we had all the college games all Saturday. I watched uh, four games there and, um, and tailgated before the Michigan State game. 
Yeah, and and just meeting up with friends, you know, watching movies. Right. Uh, the, my wife and I are watching a Netflix series right now called Alone, and this is she she's a bit of a survivalist uh, type mentality, and mm-hmm. so this the show Alone, they they drop these strangers out in the middle of the forest, and they see who can survive the longest, and some of them make it, you know, 80, 90 days before they they pull them out because they everybody else is uh is Gone. tapped out. Yeah. yeah. See, that would be my worst nightmare. <laughs> I, I could never do that. I would probably be passed out the second or third day. Yeah, I think I, I so I, I I was in Boy Scouts uh, growing up, and so we did a lot of survivalist things. And then the military, they teach you these skills. Well, yeah, also. that's and what so, I'm saying. Like military, you should you probably are good to go. This yeah. is you know how to take care of yourself if something happens. But in in the Air Force, like you you are, were a lieutenant colonel. How did how did that trajectory go? Like, do you start out as an enlisted person? Did you you start out as an officer. Yeah. And, and so there's different routes. Like you're saying, you could go in enlisted and then go through officer training school and then be, and become an officer. You could come out of high school and go right to a, a military academy, like the Air Force Academy or West Point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the route I went was uh, while in high school, I applied for a four-year Air Force ROTC scholarship and, and won that. And okay. so the government was paying for my four-year degree and in computer science. And then after I finished my degree, I owed the military four years as a second lieutenant. And then you become a first lieutenant. So at the end of four years, you're a first lieutenant. And then it was so much fun. I had a blast. They had more uh, tuition assistance programs. So I started to get my master's and um, I was doing traveling and and working with great people. And they've got a great mission, a very patriotic mission in the military. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I'm like, I, I want to stay and, and keep going. So uh, from that four years, I, I then became a, a captain and major and, and, and then retired eventually as a lieutenant colonel. And you re-enlist every four years? Uh, and the, and the, on the officer side, uh, once you do that initial obligation, you kind of incur... Um, like a mini obligation every time you move. Uh, and, and as an officer, they tend to move you like every two or three years. Uh, but you can get out uh, as an officer at any point, really. It's only on the enlisted side do they they sign you up for like a block of years, like, like three to six years or so. Okay, that's interesting. Um, my daughter, I told you earlier, is thinking about uh, the military. So I'm truly interested in like, what's this aspect like or what's this branch like? So I appreciate you talking to me about that. Like, so I know you said that you're pretty busy with your family and your household maintenance and uh, keeping yourself, you know, healthy and alive. But do you have any hobbies and how did you get into them if you do? Yeah, um, I guess yeah, my my hobbies. Hmm. So I'm, I'm a I'm a super nerd. So I do enjoy tech. Um, I do read up a lot of uh, information on my field, which is cybersecurity, because it's changing and evolving, and it's it's very much like uh, what what I compare it to is the wild wild west. There are really no rules, and all types of craziness is going on. And mm-hmm. and once the criminals figure out a way to exploit or turn anything into into, into money, they're they're just going to go down those those rabbit holes. And so it's it's a uh, it's a bit of work to stay out in front of them and try and slow that down. Hobby wise, 
Uh, besides information security and working out in sports, um, yeah, watching TV and hanging out with friends. Um, hey, that's a good one. You need takes, you do enough. Sound I, like you're doing enough. But. One, one thing I've learned though over the years here and towards the later in life is it's not about me anymore. It's about my kids, and so the kids come first. And it's been a huge transition for me as maybe a selfish person to put them first. And so when they have activities and um, you know sporting events events or things they want to do on the weekends and so forth. It's definitely what I would, what I make a priority. And so that, I guess, takes precedence over, over maybe my hobbies yeah. and stuff I want to do. Yeah. Well, you have, you said a senior yeah. and a seventh grader. Right. My senior is, my son Tate is already in 12th grade and time has flown by in a blink of an eye. And so that just lends more to the, it's not about me, it's about them because he'll be out of the house next it, year. It, yeah. And then we'll just have my daughter left. My daughter Soleil, who's uh, 12 now. And, and so, she'll be out. It'll be quick before you know it. And then you'll have to have a hobby. Right. So you got to start thinking about that now because yeah. they'll be gone living their lives. So. I'm going to turn the tables on you. I don't know if you have kids. I do. Or, I have okay. a daughter. She's a senior, too. Oh, really? She's okay. um at Everett and she's a drum major. And so she's going to come to LCC. We talked about your son and he has you know, he's applied to a lot of different really great schools, so I wish him the best. Michaela's coming to LCC because I feel like this environment here, the classroom sizes, and I still want her by me, and we get a great benefit working here, so I'm keeping do, her right? here while we can, but yeah, she's... I'm, I'm thinking about my life after her, too, so... Yeah. Uh, I do private practice, so I may increase that a little bit more when she's gone. But yeah, it's exciting to be a parent, but I'm I'm excited for her this next phase as well. I like that you mentioned the LCC benefit of uh, so so as an employee here. Um, the employees and their dependents can take classes for free at LCC. You mm -hmm. just have to pay the fees. And I took advantage of that. It's such a great selling point of LCC. I took uh, basketball classes. So I combined my workout with a class okay. when I first got here. And um, it was great with Coach Ingram over at, uh, who's a, kind of a famous basketball coach here yes. at LCC. And a great mentor. And, and um, he has great knowledge of basketball. So it, this is super good to take advantage of the classes here. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I'm not as, I, I need to do better. <laughs> I need to do better, Paul, because I'm thinking like all the things that we get exposed to, like I, I said I have the best job because I'm around so many smart people. I got resource that I can just reach out and ask someone this or that and, and can get a pretty, you know, good information from those people and everybody don't have access to folks like that. So I think that's pretty cool. You mentioned that earlier about, um, about how, how big my team was and how much responsibility we have. And what you just said reminded me that, you know, I, I like to kid people that I'm a pretty boy front man and maybe just our coordinator of things, but that is true. I rely on there. There's over a hundred people in the IT department here at LCC. And I rely on all of them to make sure that that we have the best security posture set up to protect our users and our students here at LCC. So it's very important to kind of surround yourself by all these smart people that right. helps you become successful. Yep. And, and, and I, that's a really a good perk for this job to me. I wanted to ask you like, what's something that you're really proud of and why? Oh, geez. 
Yeah, I, I'm really proud of serving my country for 20 years. Not a lot of people have done that. And yeah. um, so there's great pride in, you know, hearing that national anthem or seeing what reminds me of it that just happened the other day was uh, we went to a football game and we had the flyover occur at the end of the national anthem with the Jets and everything. Mm -hmm. And to the Air Force, when you hear that roar of the Jets, it really, it puts a gleam in your eye and, yeah. and the hair stands up in the back of your neck and you really get a fire inside yeah. you. So it's... I guess maybe something I'm definitely proud of. Is oh yeah, I'm. Th I mean, I think that's you should be. I mean, not that I got a big opinion, yeah. but I do. I think that that's something because everybody's not cut out to do that, and everybody doesn't sacrifice, you know, like that. So the I second, definitely... the second thing I'm most proud of is um, how well my wife and I have raised my son. Now, this is probably 99% my wife's work, and I'm only taking the accolades for it. But my son is a super. He's done super. He's 4.0 at East Lansing High School, and he did super well in his SAT. And I swear he could get into any Ivy League school he wants to, but um, I can't believe. If you look back at my childhood and the way I grew up, I was like a barely a C student mm -hmm. and um, not really, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm more of the 80% good enough. And it's surprising how well he has turned out with me being kind of a bit of a mentor to him, which I, I don't see how that's possible that he's turned out so well. So anyway. Well, I, I have to disagree. I'm looking at someone with computer science, NBA, going, you know, working towards doctor. You have a lot of stuff going on on and I think that work at the children see that in I, and that's a bit a big selling point of the military which your daughter might um, be interested in is the the military throws all types of money. If you are interested in education, they will give you tuition assistance and the 9-11 the bill and, and all types of other programs if you want to keep getting educated. So I went and got two masters and, and, and started my doctorate and, and got all these certifications. If you have a hunger to get educated, the military is a great place. They totally encourage you to keep improving your life that way. Yeah, I'm definitely going to um, – I'm proud of Michaela for thinking that way, you know four years. I'm a single parent. And so we got to figure out how to pay for college after LCC. And so her looking at resources other than my pocket and a loan or something like that. I appreciate that about her. So that's a good, another benefit for the military. Well, I want to ask you, what's the most daring thing you've ever done? Mm, daring. Well, I'll, the, the only thing that's coming to my mind is I wanted to um, I wanted to do something big when I retired from the military. And so I said, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to jump out of an airplane and parachute down. Oh. You know? And um, unfortunately, and I thought that was pretty crazy because I don't know many people have done that. Uh -uh. And so I thought that was pretty daring. So I got to the point of getting close to retirement. And unfortunately, I had been in this bicycle accident, you know, so several years before that, where, you know, more or less I was riding at night uh, without a helmet. And I and I did I took a header into this big culvert and I broke my neck and oh, my back no. in several places. And so anyway, fast forward two years until the retirement. And I'm like, I'm going to go jump out of a plane. And my wife says, oh, yeah, let, as soon as you can get a doctor to sign off on that. So me and my wife, we went to see the doctor and I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to jump out of a plane. And so and the doctor's like, no, no, I will <laughs> never sign off on that. At the end of landing, a wind gust could toss you up and you could land on your head and be paralyzed and your life's over and whatnot. And and so 
Although you asked me the most daring thing, I think the most daring thing was asking the doctor <laughs> if they would approve of me doing <laughs> jumping off an airplane. Um, yeah, no, I think after your accident, you need to sit tight. Uh, don't you know right? that's enough daring for you. Well, we are almost out of time. And I want to ask you this question because, and it's nothing, it's silly, but because you aren't from Michigan, I always want, and I ask lately everybody, is it go green or go blue? Mm -hmm. What would you, what would you say? Yeah. So as you, as you said, I'm from Iowa originally and I went to school at Iowa state and I moved 20 years in the military and then, and then moved to Michigan. I've been here about eight years. So I think now I'm starting to transform into a true Michigander. Uh-huh. And if you ask me, go blue or go, go green. My wife went to university of Michigan and she has bought me all types of like Wolverine gear. So I would probably say go blue, yeah. but I'm for kind of the big picture. I'm for a great game. I I'm, I'm definitely a, a Michigan uh, supporter. So I'm like, if either team wins uh, when they play other opponents, I'm like, yeah, that's great. Okay. Good, good for Michigan. But I think in the end, if the head to head competition, I'm go blue. Yeah. You, you don't really have much choice though, Paul. You know, Sorry. if your wife graduated from U of M, you, you pretty much to keep the peace. Yep. That's right. You, you're probably a, a Wolverine fan. And I normally, I have a problem with that, but I, I have to say, you don't have a choice. So right. uh, I'm glad that you came on our show today. And I think I've learned a lot. I want to encourage people to listen to your show on LCC Connect, The Safety Plan. I think that you will find out a lot of interesting things. And I think I just learned that he does some fun stuff at the beginning. So if you get a chance to go and look on our podcast to kind of hear about his show, I think you will be pleasantly surprised. Um, as a, as I want to say, thank you again, Paul, for coming. Yeah. Thanks. You, for, thanks you have for any closing me. words? Uh, yeah. No, I, I like the teaser for the safety plan. If if you like 80s and 90s uh, music, I do a little singing on my podcast. So, hey, that's worth you. That's worth you listening right there. So I want you guys to go ahead and listen to Paul's uh, podcast. And I want to thank you again for listening to Who's That Star. And I will uh, talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks. You've been listening to Who's That Star? I'm Lisa A., and you can listen to this episode of Who's That Star and other shows from LCC Connect anytime online at lccconnect.org. Thank you for listening. Catch me next time to find out Who's That Star? Featuring the staff faculty, students, and others that help to make Lansing's Premier College what it is today. You're listening to LCC Connect. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. On the success scenario, we meet and hear from current LCC students who face adversity why they chose LCC, and how they turned their situation into a successful one. Definitely now after second semester, my self-confidence is up there. I can do this and I can do this well. Age has nothing to do with it. 
like I told you before, I have the I have notes from that first meeting, and it was take your age out of it. You deserve to be here. You belong here. I'm Dustin Abrego. The Success Scenario is a program dedicated to inspiring students towards a path of success. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime online at lccconnect.org. With the holidays around the corner, Lansing Community College's Lifelong Learning Adult Enrichment Program is pleased to present a beginner's guide to gift wrapping, a free event that is open to the public and will teach you how to add that extra merry and bright to your gifts. All wrapping supplies are free and will be provided, taking place at LCC's East Campus on November 30th. To find out more, please visit us at lcc.edu slash keeplearning. That's lcc.edu slash keeplearning. This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.